Good evening and welcome to the Fuel for Football podcast. I'm your host Sanchez Bailey and it's good to be back here. Unfortunately, we wasn't here last week due to unforeseeable circumstances, but here we are, no laptop here today when the timing was impromptu, but you know, we can, we can t- still talk the same way. Now, I hope everyone's all well and hope everyone's been applying some of the things that we discussed last week in terms of persistence. And we've got a few topics here to present to you today. You know, so there's been two weeks of football and content that we can talk about, but I'm going to pick one or two key incidents that I feel like can really be a great value. We talk about that today and we implement them in, in, our, in our period of time and then we move on to the next fuel that we, that we present to you. And so I want to talk about um, habits today. I want to talk about a particular physical execution that I saw over the weekend from two players and I got some expert information from one of our team members which is James Raff. Ralph, you know who he is, I'm sure you do, I'll, I'll leave the description, um, his details and Instagram in the uh, description below and I want to talk about a few other things such as complacency and everything will make sense once I use some of the incidents that we're all aware of and draw for some lessons, okay? And so let's talk about the first one. I actually want to talk about Kevin De Bruyne. Now, um, it wasn't, it was last week? Yeah, last week it was Manchester City versus Tottenham. Big game and Kevin De Bruyne came back to his best, really. And one of the key features from that game was his one-touch pass. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's, a, it's his ability to find the player in the dang, most dangerous position on a football pitch. And that doesn't come by accident actually heard that he's someone that doesn't actually look to find a player or obviously he does but he's, his pass is not the aiming of a player it's more the aiming to a dangerous position so he's really quite analytical in his approach he knows what's difficult for the defender he knows what's difficult for the goalkeeper and he puts it in a dangerous area and obviously him doing some practicing him doing this quite a lot his players know where those dangerous areas are and so it works so beautifully when it works out and so there's no coincidence and there's a gem that every single player can take from Kevin De Bruyne's approach and apply it to your own life and that's him creating a habit so when you see him do it that's almost like a speciality of his game now Kevin De Bruyne is world-class if you if you debate that just let me know we, we can have a, we can have a little message but Kevin De Bruyne is world-class so he's got to have a number of key features about himself one I think is his shooting ability another one I think he's got a great left foot but let's just stick with the one today. Is his one-touch pass. You know that one-touch pass, where, wherever he is, he, he does that, and it usually leads to opportunities. Very interestingly though, last season when he had an injury-stricken season, he was doing that, and it wasn't really executing for him as well, and so it just shows you the power of being persistent, and you keep doing the right things and having the resilience to keep pursuing, and keep persevering, even though things are not working your way. And so that's a great skill in itself from Kevin De Bruyne, but back to him creating a habit now. So he knows he's uh, one of his great skill sets that will trouble defenders. He knows a great skill set that will trouble his opposition and one that will complement his teammates. And what does he do for him to create that habit? He has to practice that. Now, hopefully everyone remembers from from the first episode, it's more about you guys as athletes because the most thing that you do in your career is train is changing your perception on training. You know, training, if I was to slash that word, I would rename it habits, because that's what training is. You know, if you have a match and you have a set piece wonder class from a corner where, you know, you say, let's just say the love train, so to speak, from England, that is the result of someone practicing in training that then works out on the pitch. 
you've got Rory Delap with his throw-ins and you know some some things that happen where he throws it someone heads it and you know it can go in that's a result of practice and habits that you're you created and so Kevin De Bruyne has got his habit and he's executed that so much that when he does that on the match it works out quite perfectly um, in on some occasions now how can you then develop your habit and this is where what I said last episode as well is psychology is about you being self-aware just understanding you and then understanding the best ways that you can shift your mindset to then empower yourself so it's all about just your way that you think literally psychology and so now you need to kind of start identifying yourself as a footballer you need to create a profile essentially so I liken it it's not exactly the same but I liken it to FIFA stats so if I've got a player, I've got like acceleration, I've got finishing, I've got skill levels when you have the stars, you have um, shooting, you have some of these key features or even tackling and you've got a stat out of 100 of how well someone replicates that skill. Now you kind of need to do that for yourself. You need to break down your skill level, especially for someone in your position. So even if you're in defense, you still want to do it in a defensive mind frame and, and structure. But even if you're doing it in an attacking format, you still need to kind of break down some of your skill sets. Then you want to identify one for now, and then you can build as time goes on, but identify the most challenging skill set for your opposition. What will make their lives a lot more difficult? That's what you need to identify there. And once you've got that, then you can start working on whether that same skill set can be complementary to your teammate. Once you've got that and identified your skill, then that habit needs to start taking place in training, practicing it. Maybe you might need to communicate with a teammate and let them know about what you're going to do on a pitch and practice it and maybe get them to be in a certain position and really start executing this so that there can be a greater flow for you but then also for your teammate. And that's one of the ways that you can create such a habit. You know, what he has, Kevin De Bruyne, and what Sterling has as a receiver or a Guerrero, that has only come from training. So it's great to admire it on the pitch, but just know that there's groundwork, you know. And for you to execute something similar, it needs to be from here first. Identify your skill set. You have to look at yourself and understand yourself as a player, and then homing in on that skill set to then execute it in the most difficult way for the opposition to handle, if that makes sense. So that's one thing that I would like to push out there is creating habits and really using your skills to create trouble for the opposition, but also complement your teammates. So that was that. I also want to talk about penalties actually as well. And so um, we spoke about that in the first episode and context is your biggest teacher. So if you're, goal if you're a goalkeeper listening here, you know, there's a few things that we discussed in the first episode. If you haven't seen it, I'll, I'll encourage you to check it out. But also in that first episode, I mentioned that during this time of the season, a lot of players are going to be playing it safe. There's not going to be a lot of players that are going to be pulling it in, in areas where it's a bit risky. Now, the players that are upper echelon, i.e. Mo Salah, even he pulled it, um, I can't remember where he went against Arsenal, but he pulled it in the top bins anyway, at least. Um, I think he pulled it top left, I'm not too sure. He pulled in top bins anyway. So he's a, he's a little bit different, to be fair, because he's so confident as well. But with other players, and most players in, in a sense, at this time of the year as well, you kind of just want to be safe. Um, and the safe is not um, anything degrading. It's more about what's most efficient for, to get the result that you're looking for. Now, as I mentioned, if you're right-footed, you're more likely to go to the bottom left or the top left if you're a bit more audacious and you've been practicing and getting your habits. 
Now, uh, with that said, I want to speak about Pogba. So Pogba missed his penalty, which mm, was maybe more credit to the keeper. Um, it wasn't the greatest height for uh, a striker to make it difficult for a defender or goalkeeper, should I say. But it wasn't the worst penalty in the world. But the context is that he kind of demanded to take the penalty. Apparently, he's also the um, first choice alongside Rashford. They shared the responsibility, but the Pogba demanded the penalty. Now, he's in the situation now where he kind of has like a bit of pressure for him to score. Otherwise, he's not going to take penalties anymore, you know? And he missed the penalty, but he also went to the bottom left. So he went to the place which is a bit more stronger for him and, and he also changed his run-up. So there's a little bit of pressure from him, um, or on him, should I say, and the keeper saved it. Great height, you know, and Pogba could have done a little bit better. But then I wonder if that was the processing of the keeper, that he knew that Pogba needed to go somewhere which was a bit safe for him. And also with the run-up as well, it was a bit more powerful, stricken when he, the way he ran up. So that was quite interesting as well. Rashford is quite uh, routine with his penalties. He always goes towards a stronger side, so he gets off that, that lift. And that's what he did the other day. Very unfortunate that he hit the post. He didn't get it as high as he, he usually does. So maybe it might have been a missed kick. He's human, you're not mechanical, so it happens. But he also went that way. You know, and when Rashford or Pogba takes the penalties, it's going to be a bit of pressure from them. You've got to consider the scoreline as well, which will be very important. Um, and if they're winning by a massive amount, then it's likely that they probably won't. they'll go for more of a, a cooler and a, a more finesse type of goal. But that's the context that you need to consider. Man United's penalties right now, and I'm not trying to give away their tactics, it's going to be a lot of pressure on them to score. So as a goalkeeper, you want to then consider that context to then you know, empower yourself for the next move. So I'll send that to a few goalkeepers out there and hopefully you could, they can let me know if that helps. But yeah, goalkeepers in other leagues, in other tournaments or other competitions, do consider the context. And I said a little bit more in the first episode, try and consider that and I'm sure that will help you. Another thing that we do is talk about submaxes. So that's the mindset of changing, you know, your narrative from being on the bench, making the greatest impact that you can, and then trying to force your way into the team. And that comes off from conversations with the manager to what you do in training, to then preparing yourself mentally, even when you're training for the warming up for the game, on the bench, coming on and making that difference. So submax is a whole process. And the submax of the first weekend of the season went to Daniel James. The second uh, weekend of the season, I'm, I can't lie, I, I totally forgot, if I'm honest. This weekend, I want you to help me. So message me, check my story. I'm gonna have the quiz so for you to vote. I've got number one contender, Jordan Ayew. Jordan Ayew came on for Crystal Palace and he started furthermore. Came on um, or started the game instead of Christian Benteke. Christian Benteke wouldn't offer the skill set that Jordan Ayo does, and that's a little bit of dynamism, a little bit of pace amongst the, the front line, and he can trouble and press the, uh, the defenders. And that's kind of what he did there, and I wonder if that's something which is something that he demanded a criteria of, but it is a skill set in itself that the manager sees in the player for them, for him to then execute. So that's one thing that is very important, is identifying what the manager wants from you, to then be that person that implements that. Could be even a weekly thing, you know, because that might change from week to week in opposition. So anyway, Jordan Ayew came on and he scored and he started their, their goal scoring um, start. 
against United and eventually won that game. Was it away? I'm not too sure. But Crystal Palace beat United, which was great for me as an Arsenal fan. Andre Gray, who I felt was one of the sub-maxes of the weekend um, or the season last season, you know, really done well when he came in, kept himself in the team on some occasions, sometimes got dropped, but still when he came on, he always made a valiant effort, was heroic in the FA Cup. But, you know, he's second fiddle, unfortunately, to the main man, Troy Deeney. Troy Deeney now is injured, so Gray starts, he does score. And unfortunately, Watford were not successful in winning that game. They lost their game. I want to talk about Watford in a moment as well. So you had um, Jordan Ayew, you had Andre Gray, contender number two. Number three, you had a gentleman from Southampton. What's the guy's name? Um, Janapo, Janapo or something like that. He's a new signing. He came on and scored for Southampton with one of his first touches, which was quite impressive. And it was a good goal, actually, to be fair. So he's someone that's coming into the team now, a team where they've got quite a few attacking players now and wants to change his narrative. Very impressed on, on that front from him. So he's a contender. And lastly, you had Harvey Barnes, who scored a tremendous goal, tremendous volley, and that was a serious goal. And speaking of Harvey Barnes, in terms of the volley, this is where we got some information from James Ralph in terms of his coordination and his physical ability for him to be balanced by taking a half volley, which is one of the most difficult volleys to kind of take in terms of your physical nature. You need to be real balanced on your standing foot. And so I got a little bit of information from James that I'll read out now. And I'm not gonna, um, I, I didn't want him to give me too much details because I want you to kind of see the things visually as well, because there's a lot of training things that you can check on his profile, James Ralph's profile. And you can see some of the training that someone takes in terms of building strength and power of their legs, which then allows you to have great coordination and balance. Now, um, let me just get this up now. So, yes, yeah, so Jane once again credits um, this to coordination and body awareness as well as the timing to make the volley. But James actually says that for you to develop something of the sort where hopefully I can get the clip up for you, we can see Harvey Barnes really being able to balance himself on his standing leg and even on his a shooting leg as well once he's made that shot for him to even get the shot and the amount of power I also credit George Bulldog as well from Sheffield United where he actually had a great volley as well half volley which was on target as well literally from the opposite side of the pitch came in volleyed it and for him for both of them to execute those troublesome and very difficult skills you need a great element of physicality about you as well as obviously technique too but James says he encourages everyone to work on plyometrics, both long and short SSE, that's sport, um, that's uh, strength for conditioning, to be able to prepare yourself for such a maneuver. Now, power work is all about maximum intent. So sub-maximal jumps onto a low box 300 times in a row is, is doing nothing for your power, is what he says. And so power, plyometrics is something that you want to get right. It's easy to get it wrong. Now, I say that for you to then know that maybe that might not be the best thing for you to do, but then now check some of the things that he does in terms of his work. So he told me to tell you to check his stories. I think he's got a story highlight section where he's working on um, coordination and power and balance in the leg. And also he has a great ebook out as well. So he's got a training program for you. If you can't actually reach to him, who's based in London, he can come out and reach to you. But if you wanna just get something where you can work immediately, he's got a great ebook. And I know quite a few players as well um, that have had, had that and they're very praiseworthy of that too and he's worked with some top players and funny enough he works with um, George Bulldog who actually was someone who executed that skill 
to a great standard. So there's actually proof from the Premier League that you know um, our work that we're giving you in terms of even psychology, balance and coordination is adding value. Okay, so, so that's one physical gem that I wanted to give you today. And then I also wanted to mention another topic and that is about Watford essentially. So Watford have lost their last three games and I want to draw a little bit of a connection to the last episode, to this first episode in terms of persistence. Now Watford are actually not playing the worst football, they're actually creating a number of chances and in the last three games they had 23 shots on goal, they had 8 shots on goal which was more than their opponent and they had 11 shots on goal as well which was more than their opponent too. And so they're doing the things that is necessary to score but unfortunately it's not happening for them, the shots on target are very low and that's what needs to change and so it's all about persistence. They're doing the right things, but then can they shift their focus? Can they mentally prepare themselves before a game and during training to condition themselves to make the best opportunities that they can? From a defensive point of view, can they prepare themselves mentally? Can they build themselves as a team to prepare themselves for, um, for to be persistent? You know, because they're not doing too much wrong. Um, in their in their matches and so that's something that I kind of want to highlight to you guys if things are not going your way kind of like I mentioned with Kevin De Bruyne your persistence keep going at it and you know that's something that really takes great resistance it's great and easy for me to say it but you have to really shift your mind that it's going to happen pressure burst pipes that's what you could even say to yourself when things are not going through pressure burst pipes I keep doing the same thing it's going to work they keep making shots Watford on goal then they just need to start adjusting that so it's on target what's going to happen the keeper's either going to make a save or it's going to go in you know so um, i wish watford all the best i think it's most important to keep yourself motivated and know that you're doing the right things which will then keep you going in training which then brings you in better spirits for the match day and so hopefully someone from the the, the staffing team can then inject that mindset into the team to then you know, change their narrative from being bottom of the table, the only team in the Premier League at the moment to not win, which is not great to hear, but, you know, it's something which is not the worst thing in the world, considering their ability and their quality in their team. Another thing is complacency. You know, in football of recent, you had um, Tottenham lose to Newcastle at home, you had Man United lose to Crystal Palace, and I'm not too sure of another big defeat you had uh, I think let's just use those two as an example and it does make me think that Tottenham went and showed their title credentials potentially by drawing with Manchester City and then they go and lose to Newcastle at home and it shows the strength of the Premier League you have Manchester United who are rebuilding they look great against Chelsea being a 4-0 and then they go and lose to Crystal Palace I think at home I can't remember now but it makes me think what those players are thinking in approach to that game now this is entirely speculative, I could be wrong, but I know this for a fact with some teams that they may overlook the team that they're playing and it doesn't always come from them. I use Anthony Joshua as an example where um, in the build-up to his fight against Ruiz, all they kept speaking about was Wilder and Joshua's come out and admitted it himself and I know this is not a um, boxing podcast, but he's admitted himself that he was thinking about Wilder. It was very hard for him to be motivated and stimulated by Ruiz maybe one because of how he looked but also because of all the information and the clutter that he was getting from outside sources which altered his focus level now I hate it I have an Arsenal group and when we're in the group we look at some games and and they say or 
yeah, they say I don't say it. Um, that these games are winnable games. You've seen it on Match of the Day. You've seen it on Sky Sports and BT Sport, where they'll look at a run of games. They'll show you the next six fixtures, and they'll start saying which games they think is winnable. That type of information can creep into a player, you know. And even if you're not playing in the Premier League, you're playing in a smaller league or a different league, you may look at fixtures and think, "Yep, yeah, we should win there." That is kind of the the not. I'm not going to say it's a bad mentality, but it's not the greatest mentality to have because you look at the team rather than the task. And so one, one thing I want to put out there just as another gem is shifting your mindset in preparation for a game to think less of the team that you're playing, but more think about the task. You know, the team or the task will be related to the team. So the task may be you might be playing, at, let's just use Liverpool and uh, Arsenal as an example, Arsenal players know they're playing a team with tremendous press. It's a clock press. I've seen that at Dortmund, it's amazing press. So you prepare yourself from days beforehand to know that you're going to be dealing with the ball, certainly, you know, um, and you're going to be under pressure. So you, you want to be thinking about the type of passes you want to make. You might want to think about you adjusting to the press. So maybe even having a long ball out to uh, um, negate the press. So what could you be doing in the lead up to your matches that mentally prepares you for the task, which then makes you obsessed with the task. You do it in training, you're working at it in training. So when you're playing the match, you're focused on the task rather than the team. You can look back at the end of the match and then be like, yeah, that was a winnable game. But it's more about you shifting your mentality prior to the match to then making sure that you have the best um, opportunity of not letting complacency get in. So it's really about you shifting your mindset and that has to take work because you're going to get outside sources, especially if you're in the bigger leagues, you're going to get media saying that it should be winnable. They're going to overlook that. They might look towards a big game, which is further ahead, but you still got Wigan away to play. No disrespect to Wigan. And so it's all about you shifting your mindset. You can't rely on any other sources. You can't rely on the coach to develop your mindset and, and um, your confidence levels. You can't rely on the media. It has to be from yourself. So what can you do when um, approaching matches that prevents you from being complacent? Change the way you see the upcoming task. Change the way you see it. So Monday, on Saturday, you know you're playing a team. Identify what type of task is going to be demanded of you right and then execute that in a week training if if we then speak about so many things that you need to kind of identify for training training is really going to be like a real achievement for you because you're going and practicing that habit that we spoke about with kevin de bruyne you identified your skill set that you want to kind of make um a habit for you so you're going to training and achieving that you might have a target of making a certain amount of passes or even make a certain amount of shots you might even have that as your target. You might have your target and your task that you want to create yourself, which is in preparation for the opposition. So when you finish that day of training, you've got so many things that you're working on, which is progressive and daily towards a task that will you know, be on the weekend that, is a, that could be a result of all the work that you put in Monday to Friday. So um, if I guess if I was to name this, this episode, it would be habits. What habits are you creating? First episode is being persistent, you being able to keep going, changing yourself and um, training yourself to keep going and, and be um, persistent. This one now is more about habits. What are you doing that is really working to create a habit for yourself, which will be troublesome for the opposition, 
complimentary for your teammate, but allows you to execute your skill level to the best ability and showcase it too. Yeah, so I'm gonna leave it at that. Help me with the sub max of the weekend. You can vote on my, my page. And any questions, let us know. If you do have a Q&A, let us know and we can answer that for you. But that's, that's the information here today. And hopefully um, you can take some, some great gems from James, check out his e-program, check out his story. Know that plyometrics, like he said, 300 jump, sub-maximal jumps is not going to be the answer for you. So try and find that answer so you can develop yourself in, in the best way possible. Now take care and look forward to seeing you next.